I mean, but should we be recording this, this subject as like a, as like a podcast? Yeah, it's a good what idea. What to put on a podcast? We can do that as we're talking about what the intent It could be a shorter is. clip. It could be a 20-minute sort of podcast clip. Our thinking behind the direction of our podcast. be good to get feedback, too, from, from our test audience. Yeah, feedback's good. Yeah. Well, that guy I sent over, Ruslan, I, I came across him from Alan Parr. They ended mm-hmm. up doing a collaboration together, and they were talking. Yeah. And I've been following him for a good bit. And what has pulled me in with what he talks about is he's talking about all these current events, which are problematic. They're challenging. How do you navigate them, especially as you're in the workplace and you're mixing with so many different belief systems? And how do you, how do you navigate all that? And what I've appreciated about that is we're talking about a current event and he's always tying it back to, okay, as a believer, how do you, how do you make sense of this? What does the Bible say? How are you interpreting this and, and what can you do? Yeah. And that's why I love watching the show because it's so on the money. So he's got two different ways. He does his videos kind of like Alan Parr, but then he also has a podcast now where he's bringing in other people to he's got his co-host and then they're bringing in other people to talk about these things that concept pretty much matches exactly what we've set out to do with you know with romans 12 2 talking about the patterns of the world right and also talking about being transformed and renewing the mind so you know the current events are the patterns of this world that are being seen and reviewed and then being transformed obviously by god's word um, and renewing our minds is really like, well, how do we then decide to think about this in light of God's word, which sounds pretty similar to what you're talking about. And then, of course, test and approve what God's will is and what he would want us to do in that situation. Because, you know, the Christian struggle is really just that, you know, it's it's being in the world, but not of the world. But it's so difficult because sometimes you just find yourself, oh, man, I kind of crossed the line and I'm being of the world right now. But I have to be in it, so that's kind of part of it. But it's like I don't want to be. I want to be doing things differently, but i got to, at the same time, interact and weave through it. And that's the challenge where it's kind of like, okay, well, what's my position on this? Well, what should my position be? Biblically, is there um, a straight verse that can tell me that? Or do I need to collect wisdom across multiple verses throughout the Scripture that gives you a general um, concept or idea of how to handle a situation? Because there's so many times that you hear Christians say, oh, no, you, you can't do this as a Christian or you shouldn't do that. But there's not always biblical basis for those things either. So it's like, where does your Christian freedom start and where does it end? And then also, is that freedom good for you the way that you're doing it? And then also everybody has separate convictions on separate subjects. And there's so many things you can talk about from alcohol to eating food or, you know, watching movies and what ratings you allow yourself to see, you know, raising children. There's there's so many different categories that can be discussed. But I think really what people need is almost like a guide either to help them navigate it or to just understand that it's not a perfect science and that God works through our sloppiness and God works through our sin and our weaknesses and that it's never actually going to stop. But, like, let's all work together and try to head in the right direction and get to some sort of conclusion on each subject on how we should interpret it and how our mind should be looking at it from a Christian worldview. My uncle just called, and he was giving some feedback on the last episode, and we were talking about how 
the responsibility of Christians, what you see with a lot of Christians is they go to the church and they're just hearing a message and they're taking it as truth. And what's, even with a podcast like this, really, when you have all these things that are really confusing, when they're uh, of the word, the skill is how do you actually learn how to read the Bible so you can interpret it for yourself. Because at the end of the day, even if you're listening to us, you still should be going through your due diligence of reading and testing what we're saying and reading the Bible. But how do you do that? That's a that's not a an easy skill, but it's worth <laughs> it's worth doing given the implications of why we're here on earth and what we're living for. So I think that's another thing is with all these things that they're gray areas, how do you go about testing it for yourself against the word of God? And what does that look like? Because I'm sure there's lots of people that open a Bible and they're like, oh, what do I, what do I start? Yeah. And I think you're hitting the nail on the head right here because like, if you think about it, if somebody attends a church sermon and they listen to a pastor speak on a subject, they're typically pulling up a passage of scripture. The general structure of a sermon is a passage of scripture and then unpacking that and you know, explaining the context of what it means, who the people were, what's before it, what's after it, what the author's intention is, and really going down to like what God means through God's word. And then at the end, there's typically in most sermons an application portion. It's like, okay, now in light of all this, what should that mean to you today? And, you know, some some people accuse pastors of being way too heavy on application. Like you just gave a little tiny verse and then you give application for 45 minutes. And then some accuse other pastors of like, dude, you just stayed in the scripture the whole time explaining the context and explaining what it means, but you never told me what that means in my life right now. And I think if you really like broke down the differences in churches, you'll find that some people are starving for like context and diving into the word and like getting that, that head knowledge or that intellectual side. And some people are starving more for application where they like, don't really want to learn much about the Bible. They just want to know like, well, what should I do? And really the answer is both. You kind of got to have both, but you know, really uh, I think a good preacher is going to bring what the word says and unpack it. And then God will speak to you through, you know, that preacher bringing God's word. But I think this conversation of what we do is kind of taking those pieces and really talking about the application side of it. It's like, okay, well, in light of this scripture and in this event that happened, what the heck should you do? And is there freedom here? Is there, well, you know, I feel like I should do this, but I don't think there's a problem if you do the opposite, unless you're convicted otherwise in certain situations. And then there'll be other situations where it's like, no, I don't believe that any Christian should think that way on this subject, right? Whether it's abortion or whatever it may be, there's there's kind of universal things where we should all collectively think the same way because the Bible is very clear on it. And then there's things that are not necessarily universal where it's open to interpretation. And I'm sure people will disagree about all of that as well. Well, with that, I think it's good. As you can tell, if you're listening, we're talking through how we're going to, what's really our intent and our structure behind the podcast and the show. And if you look at the notes, we talked a lot about um, 
you know, really the core uh, core scripture is Romans twelve two, which is depending on the uh, the translation that you have, but the one that we have is what was that NIV. You know, translations would be an excellent podcast. That would be a great podcast, too, because <laughs> the one I know is ESV, and the one we have posted, I, I typically read ESV, and I think the one we have is NIV on our on our show. Let's not dive too deep into that now, because that's a rabbit hole for sure. That is. Just pick well, one out. Yeah, it. I'm going to go to the NIV, because I think that's the one on our website. So here's the, the verse, and then we're going to unpack the different elements, and then what we're thinking about in terms of how we're going to roll out this show. So uh, Romans 12, 2, this is the NIV version. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So Charlie, you, you just kind of roll out, before we hit uh, record, you kind of talked about these bullet points, but do you mind kind of hitting them again? How you were thinking about that? Yeah, and I'm looking at NIV to make sure I confuse people. I'll use a different <laughs> one than you. That's um, just what came up on my computer. I could switch it, but they're they're pretty similar. But really, the ma- I mean, the main idea there is you know do not conform, and that's kind of what we're discussing. Is you know when you know people that are are not followers of of Christ, and there's things that they do. The question is. Can you do some of the same things they do? Of course you can. But there are certain things that should be on the list that you don't do, and so you don't conform to those patterns. So there should be times that you kind of hit the break, which is tough because as you're walking through with people that are non-believers in life because you don't want to just isolate yourself to believers only at all times, you know, whether it's your workplace or, you know, your coaching or whatever it may be, you know, like when and where should you hit that break? So do not conform to the patterns of this world. In opposition to conforming is transforming yourself specifically by renewing of your mind. So it's renewing of your mind is thinking about things a different way. But like, what is it that that guides that renewal or that transformation? It's got to be scrubbed against God's word, right? So transform yourself by renewing your mind with God's word in opposition to the patterns of this world. And there's certain things just in your heart that the spirit will convict you of and make you feel like, yeah, I feel like I definitely should not participate in that. And, you know, I don't really know why right now, but I really need to find, and I think that's what pushes us to scripture is you get that conviction in your heart and it's like, yeah, this isn't good. I don't know exactly why. Let me go find out what it is about this that's really bothering me in my spirit. And let me go acquire the head knowledge, if you will. But that head knowledge, as you renew your mind, tends to also tune your conscience so that your spirit can use that tuned conscience in order to convict you and guide you. So pleading ignorance on God's word is a, is a problem because then you're just only relying on conviction from God. And certainly he can do that. And he may do that with certain people that don't have the ability to collect the, the head knowledge or the renewing of the mind. But I think if you have a brain and you have the word, it would be wise to acquire as much as possible so that both are firing on all cylinders. So then next it is so that you'll be able to test and approve I think your version said discern, which I like much better. Discern what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So that discernment is also kind of a wisdom, if you will, that ability to look at something and have the wisdom to understand the difference between right and wrong, the difference between should do, should not do, the difference between 
God would be pleased with this. God would not be pleased with this. And again, separate convictions on certain subjects, but collective convictions on other subjects. So I think that in setting out to do a podcast with this as kind of the main event or the main, the main point is, you know, what are Christians doing and what are non-Christians doing? And what is going on in the patterns of this world or the current events and what's happening? And there's plenty of content matter in the past couple of years for this subject, for sure. And how should we think about that in light of God's word? And what kind of discernment can we add to ourselves and to people potentially listening that would help guide them through that process? So in a way, it's almost, um, uh, I don't want to say pastoral from that sense of helping guide somebody, but it is in a way a ministry of like, hey, this is how we're seeing it. This is what we're honestly struggling with seeing. Like, how do we look at this? Let's talk about it openly. Because it's really the thoughts that are in everybody's head everywhere. But where do you get to ask these questions? Yeah. And maybe we got to create a platform where people can ask us questions, and then we can respond to them in certain subjects and categorize them. And then that'd be a great way to do content is give, give the listeners what they're looking for. Well, that was why I sent over that guy, Ruslan, because he was saying one of the best ways to grow your channel is to do YouTube live for your – that's how he does his podcast. And I think he distributes the audio to all the different platforms, and it gives you a way to go live with your audience. And I'm sure you can run ads to that so people can come check it out. And then, like, live. I mean, I've, I've been on so many – I've listened to the recordings where he's live having conversations, not – vocally but people are in the chat talking and you're getting i mean you're getting immediate feedback and we're having an open conversation and i think that could be a a unique way to get some feedback on what people are talking about and like you said people don't have it's in everyone's mind i told uh my fiance we i uh i was dealing with like a work challenge and I like reached out to Pastor Jeff because after one of our men's group, he gave me his numbers. Like, hey, have you ever want to chat? And I shot him a text. I'm like, hey, I got this work issue. And we got together. And it was like an hour where I got this, all these thoughts that I've had in the back of my mind, I got it out. And it was like the most, you could say, therapeutic moment to be able to talk about that. But this could be another way to be able to do that. And then also give people, you know, uh, you know, everyone's, it's, it's, how do you get those thoughts out so they're just not in the back of your mind? And how do you have these conversations with other people? Yeah. And sometimes they're just passing thoughts and you're like, you know, I didn't really think about it too much, but that was something that passed through my mind that I didn't write down or set out to like go acquire the info on. But yeah, this is valuable. And ultimately adding value to people is huge. And it's not like, Hey, we've got all the knowledge and we want to give it to you. It's like, Hey, we just want to focus in on what this verse says to do and focus in on looking at the patterns and those thoughts and they say, let's pause on that. Let's meditate on that. Let's really pull that apart and let's, let's seek the wisdom in the scripture. And let's kind of put that together, um, you know, for our own discovery, which perhaps could add value to other people. Now back to the Q and a part of it or the live training that, that lights me up. You know, my favorite thing to do is live training. Yeah. I mean, we've done trainings together and it's like front of the room. It's like, all right, whiteboard, confession. I'm your trainer. I came prepared with nothing. <laughs> Give me your questions you have. I'm not going to assume you have any questions. Give me all your questions. I'll write them all on the board. We'll bundle them together yeah. and then we'll just go through them one by one. And if everybody's gives me everything and then is everybody happy if we cover all these topics today? And it's like, let's give 
them yeah. what they're asking for. That would be a great way to run our shows. And I mean, they'll inform us what yeah. to talk about for for the day, and maybe we can have a topic or. But yeah, that'll be that'll be useful. That'd be wonderful. First, we gotta get a, first we gotta get a first listener. <laughs> yeah, I think we got a few. Yeah, we got a few. A few that um, were well, we only sent it out to a few. Yeah, I think a good like twenty people. We'll have to figure that out. Yeah, gotta right. provide a way. Well, and then I think stuff like that you can you know probably run some ads and promote an event. I'm sure there, there, there's some stuff out there. How do you launch that? So well, what if we just pray about it and 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 ask God to do that's it? That's a great. That's a great. Plan. But then, but then we study nothing on how to do it, and we do absolutely no effort whatsoever, and we just wait for a miracle to happen. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's so funny. That's 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 the again. Even with stuff like that, what's the? I think that's a good one too. How do you? What's the balance between effort? And, you know, work and having a plan and then also trusting in God to uh, provide, you know, the answers. Man, what a question. That is that is a tough one. That is I, the question. Our buddy Nate, <laughs> you know, yeah. I was like, oh, how are things? He's like, you know, he's busy, you know, it's super crazy. And I'm like, the hardest part is like, how do you like have faith while you're working so hard? It's and, and, and trusting that God's going to help you navigate everything. Yeah, I mean, if you took the Bible and just cut it in half with the Old Testament and New Testament, I mean, you basically have works in the Old Testament, you know, Deuteronomy 28. You know, if you do these good deeds, then you'll be rewarded with these rewards, these things, long life, health, you know. And if you do these bad things, then you'll have the opposite. And it, there truly was a reward system directly linked to your works. And But nobody could ever achieve it, obviously. And obviously Jesus came and achieved it through doing the perfect work and being the, you know, the perfect spotless lamb and sacrificing. And then after that, you have grace where it's like God's basically saying, you can't do it. Um, I'm conceding that to you and you're going to have to rely on my grace. And that's that. So you have this. But at the same time, the law isn't gone. <laughs> it's yeah. still There's still this universal law in place where there still is rewards. But sometimes you do all the right things and you get punished, or at least it appears that way. It doesn't turn out. And, you know, and the Bible talks about you see people that do bad things and it appears they're being rewarded. Yeah. You see people that do a lot of good things and it appears they're going through through trials or through hell on earth, you know. So it's... Um, it's interesting to look at kind of that balance and try to navigate that. But I think it comes down to the beginning of James where it says, consider it pure joy when you find trials of many kinds, because as you go through those trials, that builds endurance, you know, and you persevere through so that you're eventually lacking in nothing. And I'm paraphrasing it, obviously. Um, but it's really that it's really the trials that God uses to bring on that, endurance, which brings on that wisdom over time that then builds your discernment and changes your perspective. Because a young Christian believes that, well, if I believe this, then I shouldn't have problems. And that's how some people sell Christianity is, well, if you believe this, then your problems will go away. You know, your financial problems will go right. away. You know, send me your money, all these crazy people on the television. Or, you know, if you if you follow this, you know, this is the healer and he's going to heal you and they're selling their healing or whatever it may be. And, you know, they're kind of bastardizing, you know, some of the promises of God and turning it into a, a business. But it's often marketed falsely that way that, you know, your life will be with less problems 
when you become a Christian. But in actuality, you get more problems because you you're change your perspective. But it's those problems or those trials that change your maturity and your wisdom so that you can discern and understand those problems aren't really problems in the first place. So it's really a change in perspective that God gives you that eliminates your problems. But the problems actually don't get eliminated. In fact, they amplify in most situations. Hmm. So you can't work out of it. Yeah. You just got to drown in it, if you will, and, and, and daily... Soak in it. Well, daily quit. Mm. Daily quit, yeah. Daily, like, the sooner you can quit in the day and, and say, I, I give up, I can't do this, um, you're going to have to do it, God. Like, that's that daily sacrifice, if you will, or that um, the idea of, you know, going to the cross every day, picking up your cross, you know, and carrying it, or just... Um, I mean, that's how I became a Christian. I, I quit in life. I tried to do it all myself. I achieved all the things the world said to achieve. I did them all. I had them all. I possessed them all. And I had everything the world said. And I was, I'd never been more empty in my life. I think this is a great time since we're on this topic of the intent of the show. How did you come to know Jesus? Oh, boy. How much time we got? This is, this is, this is key. I mean, I think this is, it's good to share and hear a testimony. Yeah. How did you come to hear, you know, to, to know Jesus? Well, with anything, it's hard to know where to start. Um, I'd say in general, I was, uh, you know, a child that was highly emotional. Uh, an empath would feel other people's emotions. Um, had a lot of struggles early in life. Uh, just didn't fit into the world well. Um, the world can be a cruel place. So I went through a lot of a lot of things, a lot of issues. I'll spare the details. But ultimately, I ended up as a pretty angry teenager. Um, there was a lot of uh, risky activity, a lot of drug use, a lot of, let's just say a lot of things that I did that should not have been done. Um, going through into my 20s, um, I had some good gifts that God had given me. So I excelled in a lot of areas, earned a lot of income, was an entrepreneur, uh, was able to uh, eventually, you know, I became a champion kickboxer, I graduated with a college degree. I um, made millions in real estate back in the you know the boom in those six or seven or eight, and had just acquired a lot of possessions and just kind of was checking all the boxes for all the different things that kind of the world tells you will bring you happiness. And I didn't consciously do that. I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do these things and I'll be happy. I never really thought about it. It was all subconscious. And I, you know, I'd even, you know, fully been off of drugs for a very long time. And I just was in a place where I felt like I should have kind of arrived. And when I got to the arrival, I wasn't empty on the way there. But when I got there, it was empty. I felt deceived. And it was like, this college degree is worthless. It took me nine years. All that money, all that time, all that effort, it's totally worthless. These motorcycles, worthless. These cars, worthless. All these houses, worthless. I mean, they brought money, but the money was worthless. Because it didn't equate to any happiness whatsoever. It didn't equate to any joy. It didn't equate to any peace. If anything, it equated to more problems. And... God in his sovereign wisdom allowed me to fall back into some drug usage. 
and into some pretty risky behavior, and it all came crashing down. And in the apex of it all, I was intellectually high and trying to discover solutions to all the world's problems and full of pride. And uh, as I did that, I was reading through things and trying to figure things out. And, you know, that was kind of the high that I was on. But then I grabbed the Bible. So it was actually a Bible my brother gave me in 1995 when I graduated high school when he became a born-again Christian. And I think it was probably about 10 years later, maybe, that I picked it up. I can't remember. Um, But it traveled around with me forever. I just never opened it or read it. And um, I opened it up, Book of Matthew, and I started reading it. And I was just like, this is awesome. (laughs) This guy, Jesus. (laughs) And I had some previous base knowledge, you know, nothing crazy, but, you know, throughout childhood and whatnot. And um, I was like, this guy is doing amazing things. I can't believe it. He's, He's solving problems. He's healing people. He's doing miracles. And I was just like, I was just amazed by it. It was lighting me up. And then I got to the point where, like, they went after him to kill him. And I'm reading it, and it just made no sense to me. Like, why would you kill the guy that's helping everybody? It just doesn't make any sense. And it broke me. It just broke me to the point of complete and total brokenness. And then in my stupid state, in my drug use, uh, I believe I actually died within the next 10 minutes from my usage of drugs. It was very aggressive. Um, But in that process as well, I um, actually ended up seeing the serpent. And I was suddenly in an immediate spiritual battle. And I started punching the serpent but the serpent wasn't actually there. (laughs) But when I came back to, that's what I was doing. And I split my hand wide open and I got really bad burns on it. And, um, interestingly enough, there's, you know, there's no like glory after that. Um, I spent six full months in a deep, deep depression because I got convicted of all my sin throughout my entire life. And I sat there for six months, and thankfully I was set up in a situation where I could do that financially and, and whatnot, and I didn't, everything was on cruise control. I lost my job, of course, because I didn't show up. Um, but for six months, I went back through in my mind and relived everything I could think of from all the way back, like literally instances, just over and over and over again through all of them of any time I did anything that could have been construed the wrong way, anything I said that was not nice, could have been mean, how it could have made somebody else feel. And I was amplified in my empathy and my compassion for others and what damage I had caused to others. And that conviction ran so strong and so heavy that I ended up in a deep, deep state of depression for about six months and uh, had no idea how to get out of it. And I remember actually laying there on the ground and knowing from my training that, because I'm very good at helping other people. I don't know if anybody else can relate to that, but I'm very good at giving advice on how to get out of things. But I knew that I needed some sunshine. I needed some fresh air. I needed to get outside. But the depression was so heavy that I couldn't make it from the couch 10 feet to the front door to even get out of it. And it took me about an hour to do that, slithering on the floor, literally trying to roll to the front door just to open the door finally and get some sunshine on my face. I mean, that's how deep of a state of depression I was in. And this was about at the age of around 27. 
slowly from there, um, I remember somebody knocked at my door and I went to talk to him and I couldn't speak. It's like I had forgotten how to talk. I was so afraid to speak to somebody and say the wrong thing. I was terrified. I was literally died and was born again and felt like a baby and like I got to start all over because I don't want anything to do with who I used to be. And uh, for me, this, you know, this time frame, this moment was really more of a Paul story than a Timothy story. You know, in Timothy, it's like, hey, I see the faith of your grandmother in you. You're kind of raising the faith and you just kind of came into this, which is fantastic. I wish. But for me, it was more like I was the opposite. And then on the road to Damascus, I was blinded and, you know, and let me leave you here in this depth. Now, why would God leave me in such a state of depression for six months? I I think I know clearly I was just that stubborn that without that time to reflect and without that time to go into that depth, I would have uh, I would have been a seed not in good soil. I would have not been able to know the depth of the forgiveness that I received. I would not have been able to know. Um, I would I feel like I would have forgotten if I didn't go through something as heavy as I did because I'm just that stubborn and I forget my lessons all the time. So he left me there in the perfect amount of time, right? Because it's God's pleasing and perfect will. It was God's pleasing and perfect will for me to have that trial as part of my transformation. Um, And then from there, it was slowly starting to get into a Bible study and, you know, the rest, there's there's way more to the story, but that's kind of the, uh, I think, the beginning and the end of the conversion time. Yeah. It was heavy, man. Real heavy. Yeah. And I spared a lot of details because I don't want to glorify anything mm-hmm. by accident. And I don't want to give weight to anything in the wrong way to anybody who could be listening. And But there was a lot of there was a lot more uh, detail in there that, um, you know, for some people sharing some of those details might be helpful. They could relate to some of it. But, man, it's even just hard to talk about because of the weight of it. And, you know, you want to be selective in what you choose to share um, because, you know, coming from that far into the dark side and literally being face to face with the devil is uh, is brutal. But in the end, there's 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 peace, there's glory. And, um, you know, God did all the work 100 mm-hmm. percent. There was no people ask me all the time, well, were you, you know, were you at church? Did you have an altar call? No. And I don't have anything against altar calls and, you know, and I don't have anything against tracks or evangelism, but I was alone. I was 100% alone from the beginning of that process, throughout that process and after that process. And God did the work 100%. I had absolutely nothing to do with it. And that's typically why I relate to the Reformed faith is it's pure, purely God's glory, no works on my part. I did not make a decision for God. If anything, while it was happening, I decided I don't want this. Mm-hmm. And I tried to decide against it. But I like to say that was my mafia moment. It was almost like God said, you yeah, know, well, too bad. You work for me now. <laughs> it's like it was either that or be dead. That, right. I didn't really have a choice in the matter. And um, I became an adopted son and, um, you know, like like a small child being adopted, you don't really have a choice. Mm-hmm. And God took me, and I'm glad he did, um, because my patterns of the world that I was following killed me. So uh, fast forward today. Uh, how, old are you, how old are you today? How is your life different? And 
in a quick snippet, how would you define the Reformed faith? I'll give you a lot of questions there. Yeah, it's a whole bunch of content right there. <laughs> so I'm 45. Let me answer the easy one. Yeah. Um, how is my life different from then? Well, you know, from then, I uh, let me try to give you a shortened version. Um, I found that it was better. There was, a, there was a verse that said it was better to be married than the burn with lust. So um, I got married. <laughs> There's a lot more to that story for sure. That's its own episode. Um, and then, you know, we had children. So I'm a father of four, married to my wife, Amanda. I have four boys. They are currently ages 14, 13, 12, and 9. Lots of basketball right now in this season of life. Um, it's pretty much work all day, basketball all night uh, is, is what it is. Um, so, and a beautiful little dog, Coco, but things have changed dramatically. And then there's trials. So after getting saved, some of my biggest trials in life happened in business, which became not just business problems, but very personal problems, some very, very heavy, hefty issues that I've gone through, some crazy things that I've seen, um, super spiritually involved, you know, just, just the enemy coming hard really, really hard. But it's through those trials that I learned all the lessons that allow the business to be as successful as, as it is now. Um, and then uh, you wanted to know how I would define the Reformed faith. Mm-hmm. Well, like anybody who reads the Bible and thinks they understand it properly, I would define it as what the Bible says. <laughs> but it's it's a lens. It's a lens like any lens. Um, you know, the... The church was uh, one church from the book of Acts, and then all the way up through, there was, you know, the one church, meaning one church together, is, they used the word Catholic, which is very different than the Roman Catholic Church we use today. But basically, the church was all Catholic, all the way up until the Reformation. And in the Reformation, uh, you know, names known there are things like uh, Martin Luther, John Calvin, you know, the Reformers. Um, Martin Luther essentially was a Catholic priest who was reading the scriptures in Latin and realized that the church was doing things that were very different than what the scripture said. And he wrote down kind of the contradictions, if you will. And there was about 95 of them and he put it onto the door and he thought he was going to get a nice healthy debate. Instead, they basically ordered him to be killed. Hmm. Um, So he had to flee. And he realized very quickly that he needed to get this out of Latin and into uh, the native tongue of the people so they could read it. So I believe he transformed it into, um, or translated it into German. Um, and then there's other reformers like um, Calvin who translated into Dutch. And now the printing press is around the same time. So now people can actually read the scripture for themselves. And when they did read the scripture for themselves, they realized that the things the Catholic Church was doing, mainly indulgences, charging people to go to heaven, like, hey, you're, you know, here's this purgatory, which is not in the Bible at all, but here's this idea of purgatory. You, you Your parents died and they're sitting there um, because you had to rely on the priest because you had no other access to God. And they're sitting there and they can't get into heaven until... They have some good works done on their behalf. I'm a priest. I've done a lot of good works. I'm willing to sell you some of my good works and apply them to your parents and then pray to God and then he'll move them into heaven. Give me your money. I mean, we live in Jersey, but man, is that a racket or is that a racket, right? <laughs> so the people, when they saw that the Bible never taught that and they read it for themselves, they they got very, very angry and people started killing each other and it was an ugly time for sure. But 
they reformed away from the Catholic Church, and then that Protestantism, (laughs) did I say that right? So they became Protestants, meaning they protested against the Catholic Church, and then that obviously separated into a lot of other branches that are out there now. So there's still the, you know, the Roman Catholic Church, if you will, that kind of holds to that older tradition. They still have a lot of those practices in place where, you know, the Pope or the papacy makes rules that are more important than what the scripture says. So they give weight to the Pope instead of to what the Bible says. Right. Well, some people believe more weight than others, but ultimately they follow things that popes have taught over the years instead of what the Bible says, because there's clear contradictions. And they cling to works. They cling hard to works. They go into James and they grab, you know, a verse or two here and there, and they ignore everything that Paul ever wrote about grace and clearly stating that it's not about works. And um, they kind of head in that direction. But, you know, that's a whole Catholicism hole that we can get into. But there's really no way to talk about what reformed is unless you understand what they reformed away from, which was Catholicism. And that rabbit hole can go on forever as well. Good context. Yeah. Yeah, you can go really, really deep. And, you know, I when I studied scripture when I first got saved, I mean, I was with, you know, people that were of the Reformed faith that understood the, the doctrines of the Reformed faith and the solas, the five solas, and that basically, you know, God's revelation on earth is through the holy scriptures right now. Right. You know, and the Bible says that, you know, in, in You know, past times, God used to speak to us through prophets and other ways, but now he speaks to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, we have the written word. And Jesus was the word. In the beginning was the word, right? Mm -hmm. It's going going to the book of John, beginning of John. The word was with God and the word was God. So another name for Jesus is the word. But um, ironically, we have the written word, which is Jesus's words plus other writings. Right. And, you know, there's all sorts of debates about what is, you know, should be in the Bible, what shouldn't be in the Bible. And, you know, the most common thing that people try to attack Christianity is saying that the Bible isn't what it should be or it wasn't true. Or And if you go by any scholarly measure of writing or literature, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, even Joe Rogan, you watch Joe Rogan and he believes that 60 million years ago this happened and 60,000 years ago that happened, but he doesn't believe that 2,000 years ago we have accurate writings about Jesus. So he knows what happened with a meteor, you know, 5 billion years ago, but he doesn't believe that the most witnessed event by the most impactful person ever to live 2,000 years ago has any truth to it whatsoever. But you can't really believe it unless God decides to give you his grace to believe it. Right. So it's not by logic that we come to faith. It's by grace. So we can't be upset with people who don't get it by logic. And, you know, there's, there's gosh, we're hitting a lot of subjects here, but there's, <laughs> there's the apologetics concept is if I, if I argue for the faith and I give you the points and I use the reasoning and the logic that you'll eventually understand it. But I was not a save through apologetics. You know, and I've not really met people that have been yet. I'm open to it. But, man, logic just did not save me. It was just breaking and dying to myself and having my sin revealed and God doing that work and then saving me by grace and bringing me into his family and into his kingdom against my own will, which is the total opposite of like somebody gave me a a good argument for it and I decided that was the thing. Now, there are people that have been through that process, but there's always also some emotional moment when they are born again and they and they come to faith. So um, that's another huge topic is kind of grace versus apologetics. For sure. 
and they're not in opposition to each other. I'm just saying just contrasting them from, from one another makes for good conversation. Yeah, that's helpful for me too. I mean, I'm for for anybody with apolo- I mean, I've watched some stuff by Apologia Studios and um even when I think about my whole process very different from yours. I grew up going to Christian school all the way up until from kindergarten to eighth grade. By the grace of God, I decided when I was in, I don't know, third grade that I wanted to commit my life to the Lord. And when I went in high school, I went to Catholic school. Mm. And that that took me down a different path. And, you know, high school parties and all that and not really affirming my faith. We're going to church every week with the family, but not really interested in going to church, not connecting to the message. I mm-hmm. went to a Baptist church. And then when I went into uh, college, that was just a different story. I mean, I had had a, a bad breakup for high school, and I just, uh, I don't know, I just got so off my faith. And then I got into the new age space mm-hmm. from... After having an injury, looking for some type of, you know, thing that could help me with my with my pain, and it was yoga. And then I went down this rabbit hole for like three or four years of the different personal development. But a lot of the Deepak Chopra, you just sent me an awesome video. Wasn't that that video was amazing. <laughs> where I'm not sure who the who the believer was who was defending the faith. Talking about, you know, just like what you were saying with Joe Rogan, the uh, just the scholarly evidence about Jesus and the eyewitness accounts and Deepak Chopra having a hard time. (laughs) Um, That was a great video. But I mean, Deepak Chopra, I read so many of his books, Um, Eckhart Tolle. Uh, mm-hmm. Bob Proctor, Think and Grow Rich. I mean, I was just like in a rabbit hole for like two or three, no, in college and then two or three years after school, just adopting a lot of these philosophies. I never forget this one book I read called The Surrender Experiment, where unfortunately, if you think about the Christian faith, it's grace and you're trusting in God and surrendering to him. But this was you're surrendering to the universe and whatever. And it was like three years of me trying to do that. And I was just all over the place. (laughs) And then it was, I don't know, it was probably uh, back in 2000, uh, 2019 or 18. My cousin, Carla, my mom's first cousin, my second Carla, she's a a minister, or she's uh, she's she 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 ministers in uh, in prisons, and she called me up, and I was at a time having a hard time, and she asked me if I wanted to commit my life to the Lord, and I like broke down. I was like at this workshop, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and it was like perfect timing, and that was right around when I started working with you, and then again, it was just all, it was all a. Um, a pruning process I feel like the Lord had me go through. Um, but I never forget like the two experiences. And again, these experiences aren't, you know, uh, I guess I, like you had your experience, right? With, with the serpent. I had not that type of experience, but I had a day when 
this is when I was working with you and I was like reading the Bible daily. I just felt like I was super insecure. I was working here with you, you know, with, with, uh, Mike and Damien. And I just felt the most insecure in my life. I was afraid to speak up or ask a question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just like the most, I just felt like every day, like who the heck am I? Like a couple of years ago, I was, you know, I was really enjoying my career and I felt like I was making progress, but that now it's like three or four years later and I feel like I can't have a conversation with somebody. And um, I remember this one night I got home and I was like crying in the car. I'm like, what the heck is going on with my life? Mm-hmm. And I was uh, like scrolling on Instagram, just trying to like, you kind of like numb the the feeling of the, of the anxiety of the overthinking, which is a very real thing. Like you experience, it's just like un- unexplainable sometimes. And I remember that night got on my knees to pray and it was in the Bible, it talks about the peace of God. And it was like this feeling like a, a hand came over and like wiped all the sadness and all the pain. And I was like overjoyed. It was mm. the strangest moment, <laughs> like in yeah. an instant. And I had this like sense where like, man, I have an actual heavenly father who's there with me. And it was a sense of, okay, this is whatever process I'm going through. He's here with me. And then the next day I woke up and anxiety back, right? Overthinking back. But it was that, it was a nice experience to have to know that, um, not everyone has that, and I'm, I'm not. Sure, we're not. I don't think we're called to like look for those experiences. Yeah. But that was um, one of the eye-opening, you know, moments for me. And you know, things are certainly different today. You know, um, since making that decision. So it's. Uh, Hallelujah. Amen. I think. Um, I think one of the mistakes that we make a lot of the times is assuming that others should come to the Lord the way that we did. I know I'm guilty of it. Um, you know, my evangelism style tends to lean more towards expecting it to happen the way it happened to me, which is tough because now I'm raising children, so I'm supposed to be raising them in the Lord, but I've got no frame of reference for that. It's not my experience. Right. Right, and I'm sure... God's enjoying the laughter watching me try to do it and failing <laughs> at it constantly. So um, I think that's important is giving God, who does the saving, who does the grace, who does the work, giving him the freedom to do it with each person the way that he wants to do it instead of trying to shove him into the box. Right. You know, because there's a lot of people that say, no, you got to evangelize to him. And yeah, evangelism is huge, but it's not always how it's going to happen for somebody. You know, and then you hear sometimes, uh, well, this person just saw a kind act somebody else did and they inquired and, you know, somebody who doesn't evangelize much and it was really just through their actions and not through their words. And it's like, okay, but, you know, let's not then conclude that we just do actions with no words. You know, it's word and deed together is what we do for others because we don't really know what the outcome is going to be. It's kind of like planning, like you just got to go in the field and put the seeds in. Some days you put a lot in, some days a little, some days none, some days, you know, they get eaten. Um, We just can't really predict it because we're not the one doing the actual work. For whatever reason, God decides to use us in some capacity. We don't deserve it. We shouldn't be involved. We're sloppy sinners and we fail at it constantly. And we got to make sure that we don't form this belief in our head that this is, this is how people get saved. Right. This is how it's done because Every story I've ever heard are all so different. They're all so different. 
you know? And then, you know, some people are like way against the altar call. And it's like, yeah, but I've watched people have been saved at altar calls. What's wrong with that? Why is that a problem? Why not create the opportunity? If today is the day of salvation and you're in the altar and you're near it, why don't we offer for you to come? Yeah. Do it in your seat. Fine. It doesn't really matter. If the preacher's convicted to do it a certain way, let him do it a certain way. You know, people will end up where they're supposed to end up because God is sovereign overall. And ultimately, you know, they will be saved if they're if they're if their name is written in that book, they will come to faith in the Lord. But you could also then say, Well, then I don't have to do anything. Because God will just save who he's going to save. And that could be problematic too. And then you could also say, Well, I have to do everything. <laughs> because, you know, people can go to hell if I don't do my part. And it's like, well, that could be true too. And th- these are the things that like get thought about, but never really get talked about. It's like, who wants to teach a sermon on this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what a terrible subject, you know? I mean, but it's such an important subject, but gosh, like, how do you, how do you address that? There's these tensions in the scripture where, you can think all one way about it, or you can think all the other way about it, and people disagree, but we should be able to let iron sharpen iron, as the scripture says, and we should rub it together and have conversation and and let the chips fall where they will and let people gleam out of it what they will, because everybody's at a different place in their walk at a different time, a different maturity, a different understanding of scripture, and everybody has a different way of seeing currently, and really what we're talking about is transforming and renewing that mind into a more mature place so we can better discern or test and approve God's will. And the only revelation we have from God is his scripture and, of course, his conviction through his spirit in our heart, um, which, again, we can't lean too much on one or the other without him you know, being in harmony and, and uh, in a symphony, if you will. I got the details on the Deepak. Oh, yeah. Uh, that video I sent you. That's a great video for... So it was Deepak Chopra meets Greg Kokel, K-O-U-K-L. If anybody listening wants to look it up, that is absolutely amazing. And then the sub, the subtitle of it was, you know, How to Defend the Christian Faith. Um, and he did the most amazing job. But you You're know right. what? Deepak wasn't converted through it. He wasn't. That's a good point. <laughs> right? So, yeah. so really, the only people cheering are the people that like it being defended against somebody who's not even open to it. But Deepak deserves to be, you know, the punching bag because he's writing books about Jesus from a Hindu perspective and telling people what Jesus is and what he isn't. And he's totally off his rocker. He does talk about Jesus in his books, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, and I feel he, like I remember that. Like, so on one hand, he's denying that he exists, and on the other hand, he's saying, here's what he taught, and this is why he's like a Hindu, um, whatever. So, but yeah, that video, and that video, I found it uh, through Melissa Darty. So you're yeah. familiar with Melissa? I found her through, it might have been Apologia Studios, or maybe not her, I forget. It was So Melissa actually knew while she was in New Age. Yeah. Um, with some other people that were in new age and I saw like her conversion happening and her coming out and speaking out about Jesus and her, it was just, it was amazing to kind of watch that and watch how she just kind of shared all that. It was, it was incredible. But as far as like anybody who wants a good person to follow on say like YouTube or maybe even other platforms, Melissa Darty um, came out of the new age and she heavily focuses on the kind of the renewing of your mind, if you will, for Christians mm-hmm. as it ties into New Age, which is such an important topic that does not get covered. And um, what what an amazing 
subject because New Age is bleeding itself through every single church. New Age is a religion that says it's not a religion and nobody who believes it understands they believe it. And it's very, very deceitful and um, it can destroy people and it can destroy faith completely and totally. So she exposes it in just such a tremendous way. So I love following her channel and watching the things. I'm glad that video popped up. But she was just, it was kind of one of those videos where she just was like, hey, here's a conversation, check yeah. it out. And uh, and it was cool watching Deepak get, get, get smacked down. Um, I actually refused to go to uh, a seminar where Deepak was supposed to be speaking that I was already signed up for when I found out he was a speaker. A very expensive one, too. It was a Tony Robbins seminar. Mm. I had to opt out of that. I asked a bunch of questions. I'm like, yeah, this guy is blasphemy against Jesus. And I am not going to pay to go sit in front of this guy. And they're like, well, he healed Tony Robbins. I'm like, no, people don't heal people. God heals people. I mean, that's where you guys are wrong, you know. And Tony Robbins new age as well. And, you know, I know he tells his people to say he's a Christian, but he is preaching new age from the pulpit of his stage to many, many people while he's hypnotizing them into NLP and and all sorts of different things there. So that's a whole other rabbit hole. Gosh, yeah. we got like 10 rabbit holes to open we up here. got a lot of good ones. We got a lot of good content to go into. Well, it looks like our audience is probably going to tell us too. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. But I mean, at the same time, it's the chicken and the egg. Yeah. It's like audience tell us what to talk about, but you also attract people with the content you put out. Mm-hmm. If somebody gives a listen to this and they're not interested in it, they may not come back. Yeah. Even though it's a different subject another time. But uh, God will bring who needs to be brought to it and I just would ask that people be bold in their questioning yeah and uh, I think that live Q&A is you get 100% authenticity yeah and, and for the record we don't prepare anything before we start you know in fact we just started having regular conversation and I was like wait well, shouldn't we be recording this yeah <laughs> <laughs> well we had a we had a topic uh, planned but I'm glad it was good the, the I was like it threw me off for a second I'm like alright let's just go with this and yeah, it was good. I mean, this is what we uh, we needed to do, have like a good foundation uh, topic, you know, in conversation. Yeah, when we planned and tried to, we did one thing, we picked the topic and then we discussed, no, we didn't even mention it. We went all over the place yeah. last time. But uh, when I listened to it, 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 it flowed, it felt like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the conversation flows from one point to the next. Yeah. But um, <laughs> we don't have to worry about, you know, how well it flows, but... Uh, I think as long as we stick to the main thing, iron sharpen iron, right. and renewing the mind and not being conformed to the That's patterns true. of this world, I think it's a very relevant topic that we should stick to. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, people are interested in hearing it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's that's episode two. Anything else you got? Yeah. Go Birds. Eagles are playing Go the birds. Super Bowl tomorrow. Go Birds. I just lost all our Kansas City listeners. <laughs> Unless they win. And you probably lost a lot of other people, too. <laughs> Maybe. There's a lot of Eagles the Dallas, haters out lost there. all the Dallas and Giants fans. Yeah. Hey, listen, we don't get here often, so let us have the Super Bowl. Yep. All right. There we go.